0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: I'm Sam Edwards. I'm third generation Curemaster from S. Wallace Edwards and Sons in Surrey, Virginia. We support the Heritage Radio Network because we believe in the cause and what they're doing. They're supporting family-raised uh, livestock, small family farms, uh, certified humane, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free. Basically, we take the products from Heritage Food USA and make them into uh, Serrano-style hams, prosciutto-style
0: hams, bacon, sausage, like my grandfather did. You can find us at surreyfarms.com dot com or virginiatraditions.com dot com. bought your
1: Hello and welcome back to the Heritage Radio Network's Farm Report. It is Thursday. It is 1 o'clock and we are live in studio with David Haight, the director of the American Farmland Trust. And his partner in crime over there, Jen Smalls. And uh, this is not their first time um, on The Farm Report with me. This is actually their third time back on The Farm Report, fourth time back on the network, and my first time meeting them live in studio. So I am so happy to have them here, both sitting beside me. Welcome to the studio and the show.
2: Hey, thank you very much. We're incredibly happy to be here, and thank you again for the invite. It's great to be back.
1: All right, wonderful. Well, I'm really happy to host you today. Um, so just to, to kind of give folks an idea of uh, what we've got going on today, We first had David here with us on the show from the American Farmland Trust exactly a year and uh, a week to date ago. And we were talking about issues related to uh, a letter he sent to Governor Patterson addressing some of his concerns with budget cuts and things of the like. Um, a lot has changed in the past year, and we are now looking at um, new governor and new proposals. And um, I kind of wanted to let David uh, tell listeners that may not have you know been around for the past year a bit about what the American Farmland Trust does, and then we'll kind of get back into a bit about what has changed in this past year and what we kind of have to look forward to um, with the, the changes of um, what's to come in New York farmland and uh, farmland all across the country so,
2: well american farmland trust that we just celebrated our 30th birthday uh last year so we were we started uh, 31 years ago and our, our tagline is no farms no food makes sense it it absolutely does you know, we are uh, as an organization focused on saving the land that feeds america uh, and essentially, here in, in this country, uh, about a million, 1 million acres of farm and ranch land is lost to development every year. Uh, so you can imagine you know, thousands of farms turning into subdivisions, strip malls, and other poorly planned development. Get, it's hard to figure out what a million acres is. So, over a five year period, imagine the entire state of Vermont. Mm -hmm. Becoming covered by McMansions
1: Wow that's a great mental picture Not
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not really But our organization is really focused on How do we save farms How do we make sure that we have farms In places uh, like New York uh, To feed people And uh, feed them With good food And according to our research, you know, one of the biggest challenges we face is that 75% of all the fruits, vegetables, and, you know, healthy dairy products that are grown in America are grown in places like New York, where that land is under development pressure. And uh, here in this state, uh, three of the top 20 most threatened farming regions in the entire country are found here, places like the Hudson River Valley, where we have incredible soil, incredible land resources for growing food, but there is incredible tremendous pressure on that land. There's competition for land between real estate developers and farmers. So our organization is trying to meet that challenge and make sure that we can save those farms so we can grow food today and in the future.
1: And on that note, um, thing we like to a topic that we kind of like to drill you on here on the show, and it turns out it's not just me. I was uh, speaking with you know Katie Kiefer right before the show, who you've been on the, the main course with on this Heritage Radio Network as well, is that whole infrastructure issue, and it's the whole you know getting the food from the farms to the people here downstate in in the city and, and things of the like. So um, I did kind of want to address that. And thought that maybe if we went ahead and started off by talking about some of the key points that um, have been recognized by, you know, environmentalists from Governor Cuomo's um, proposed budget last year, that maybe we could talk about some of the ideas where this money is, you know, hoping to come into farmland and what we can do to maybe fix these issues with infrastructure or if anything kind of has been, you know, discussed yet to come up with the plan to help. Get this food more, you know, easily distributed. So we had spoken, um, you know, before the show, all of us here, about a few of um, the things highlighted by environmentalists in the proposed um, 2011 to 2012 budget by Governor Cuomo. So I'd like to maybe just run down those three bullet points, and we could talk about how we think if this all goes in our favor, where this money is going to go, and what kind of programs we kind of or you guys have set up to help these farm the the farmland in general so these points were that the environmental protection fund which pays for a wide array of programs covering areas like land conservation, water and air quality, and farmland protection remains stable at $134 million. Uh, The next was that the Department of Environmental Conservation and the Office of Parks, Recreation, and Historic Preservation are spared staff cuts, and funding streams for clean energy programs like the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiatives are untouched all of which were concerns of yours last year when you had written um, the proposal to Governor Patterson, who was planning to cut all the budgets on that.
2: Yeah, uh, we have got an incredible opportunity in front of us today. You know, we have political leaders at incredibly high levels that are making farms and food issues priorities. Uh, you see that here in New York City, where you have people like uh, City Council Speaker Quinn, Borough President Scott Stringer, you know, putting out major uh, policy agendas that position farm and food issues as major economic, environmental, and public health priorities. And that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the same thing at the state level. Governor Cuomo, when he was running for office, came out with an incredibly expansive farm and food agenda called Farm NY, Farm New York. Uh, And he positioned agriculture and growing food as an economic development priority. And actually, his budget that was released on Tuesday identified farms and food as one of six key industries that the state should take real economic development dollars and start investing in that type of infrastructure. And so that is incredibly important. Equally important is that we take some environmental dollars and invest in the natural infrastructure that we need to grow food. Right. A yeah. lot of a lot infrastructure is a broad topic. So mm-hmm. it's slaughterhouses, it's distribution centers, it's markets in grocery stores. It also though starts at the the soil.
1: I was just gonna say the very basic levels. A lot of things we've talked about here is water, uh, and you know, making sure we know that our water is safe because isn't it kind of controlled by our farmers? The water we're drinking here, in a way.
2: Uh, absolutely. I mean, New York City has one of the most incredible stories in the entire world of how farmers are helping to protect their land and adopt conservation practices so that New York City residents, you know, 9 million people every day, when they open that tap, they get clean water. And it's because in part of what farmers are doing upstate to keep that water clean to begin with. And there's no filtration. Mm -hmm. There's no filtration. The city is saving billions of dollars uh, in building a filtration plant by having those farmers do good things for the environment. So there's an incredible story to tell here and about And the
1: funny part is that I don't want to get off topic, but hey, I mean, you can't go anywhere else in this country and get a bagel or a slice of pizza uh, the way you can here in New York because of the water we're using here. <laughs>
2: Amen. I mean, you know, New York City is really a gem in terms of the water we drink, but also the land. And that's part of the other thing that we saw in the governor's budget, that he decided to uh, stop the erosion of funding for helping farmers protect their land. You know, He's proposing to put $12 million into our state's farmland protection program. One of the big rubs for farmers in New York is that their land... Is probably the most valuable asset they own.
1: and That could sometimes become an issue when other people want to buy it from them.
2: Uh, it, absolutely. You hear from farmers all the time my land is my 401k. Yeah. And it's hard in many places like the Hudson Valley or Eastern Long Island <laughs> to grow something legally that will compete with what you could get by putting, by growing houses on that oh, land. Yeah.
1: Definitely, especially on Eastern Long Island. Oh,
2: absolutely, (laughs) where literally land can go for hundreds of thousands of dollars an acre. Mm -hmm. Imagine being a young person or a second or third career farmer that wants to get started farming. How are you going to come up with the half million or two million or ten million dollars you need to buy that farm? You're not. You're not is is the answer. Which is
1: why we need to talk with people like you to see what we can do to get people, you know break into this, you know, access to the land so that we can continue to have more farms and farmers and a future for food and a safe food supply in that respect as well.
2: And so part of what our state has done over the last decade is they have um, spent about $175 million to permanently protect about 300 farms, essentially extinguishing the right to develop those farms so that it keeps that land more affordable for people that want to start farming and make sure that that land never becomes that subdivision or that strip mall. And the problem we faced is that over the last couple of years, previous governors have significantly reduced the amount of funding. It's been cut by two-thirds over the last couple of years. So we're extremely excited to see Governor Cuomo taking the step of actually increasing that funding in a time when the state is facing really tough budget decisions he recognizes that we've got to save our farms and he's taking a real leadership role in helping us do that so that's a great first step
1: awesome so maybe that should kind of bring us a little into talking about um this no farms no food rally that you guys kind of um last year was the first one right
2: Yes, okay. last year.
1: Wonderful. We have not had a chance to bring you back on to talk about how that went. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about how it went so that we can kind of hear what we, when we um, finish with that what we have to look forward to with this next one coming up and what we hope to get out of it?
2: Absolutely. Last year, we were able to organize a a rally and a lobby day in our state capital to really show all state lawmakers, all of our political leaders, that there is an incredible groundswell of support. Whether you're here in New York City, Mm -hmm. whether you're in the Hudson Valley, whether you're from far upstate New York, people care about farms and people care about food. And that there is really significant common interests that we all share. And so we helped organize this rally last year. About 140 people came, about a a busload of people from New York City. So imagine people that work at food pantries Mm -hmm. linking arms with a dairy farmer from upstate who links arms with an environmentalist that cares about clean water and our land with a local uh, economic development expert all coming to the Capitol lobbying for $100 million Mm -hmm. to help protect land and water strengthen our farm and food economy, and help get good food in the hands of more New Yorkers. And so last year, was a that was our inaugural trial run.
1: Sounds like an amazing, buzzing energy that must have been filled in the air that day. Heather, it was a very moving day.
3: I have to say that one of the most important emails I got was when um, I received an email from an upstate New York dairy farmer in central New York, a woman, and she said, I burst into tears when I heard about the bus coming up from New York City. For so long, dairy farmers have felt like we're so alone on these issues. And it was really exciting for her to hear about all those people from an urban area coming up to say, we care about farms and farmland, too. Awesome. And it was really just an incredibly emotional day.
1: Cool. We're actually hoping to talk to a farmer. Um, uh uh, in a couple of weeks so in Albany, and I'm going to actually like to talk with her a little bit about some of the things that we're speaking about today and, and kind of see, you know, how, how her life is, you know, going to be affected by some of these changes as well. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, I do and me and Erin plan to kind of do a whole series on dairy farmers and, you know, kind of the, the struggles and the, the hopes for the future within this next couple of months. So do stay tuned to kind of hearing more about, you know, what we hope that, to help these dairy farmers with.
2: Well, we also have another rally planned for this year. And so on March 30th of this year, we're going to be bringing people together again. And part of this is for the participants, but I'll be honest, part of it's a political strategy as well. There is such a strong political voice in New York City. If we can bring that voice together with the voices from upstate New York, that bridges political boundaries, that Mm -hmm. bridges geographic boundaries, that bring strength to our voice in these programs the other thing that's really important this year is this is the first year for a new governor Mm -hmm. and he has laid out a very progressive platform right If we can show him that there's a voice of support for that platform, Mm -hmm. that is going to bolster his enthusiasm for these issues going forward for the next four years. Exactly.
1: So, luckily, we have that coming up. I think you guys had a date slated for when this year?
2: Uh, March 30th. March 30th. March 30th. It's going to
1: come up a lot sooner than we think, people. So, put that date in your calendar and mark it off and... Get ready to keep listening to us for some updates as to what you could do to find out more about how you can get involved and get on that bus and get up to the Albany and get involved.
2: Absolutely. And actually, we're starting registration next week. So if people want uh, farmland.org backslash New York. Go there starting next week, and you'll be able to find out more information about the event and actually register to join us in Albany to help make your voice heard.
1: Awesome.
3: Another way to get the news is to go to our Facebook page, which is American Farmland Trust NY.
1: Okay, wonderful. Well, we're going to take a quick short break here. We'll be right back. We've got lots more to talk about on all these issues. So, Farm Report, we'll be right back. Heritage Radio Network's Farm Report. For all of you just tuning in, we are here with David Haight and Jen Smalls of the American Farmland Trust live in studio on a beautiful sunny day, finally, in Brooklyn. Oh, <laughs> We all needed a little bit of sunshine, I think, after this past couple weeks.
2: <laughs> yes, we did.
1: All right. So um, for all of you who are just tuning in, we have been talking about um, changes in um the 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 Governor Cuomo's proposals for you know keeping money in the budget for farms and um farmland protection and things that really are gonna help keep our um food supply hopefully you know growing in a safe sustainable direction um we just uh talked about the the no farms no food rally from last year that american farmland trust put on where they took you know a bunch of people up to albany and they're going to be doing that again this um year on march 30th um so jen we kind of just wanted to talk a little bit about what people have to look forward to at this year's rally It's an awful lot of fun. The bus comes up from New York City.
3: There's Wi-Fi available, of course, so everybody can stay in touch (laughs) and informed.
1: And the whole, what, three-hour trip? (laughs) That's right.
3: It's only three hours, and there's no better reason to get up early in the morning and uh, get a bus out of here. And we eat really well as as well. Uh, Matt Weingarten of Inside... Park, park at Saint Bart nice. uh, helps to coordinate food for the day. Of course, it's local and fabulous.
1: Such a big supporter. Thank and, you. <laughs>
3: and I think that um, the people involved last year were had a wonderful time. And oftentimes they were inexperienced at this sort of thing. Um, we have one of my uh, the chefs from one of my favorite places, Back Forty. Shauna. Shauna, of oh, course, nice she too. came along. She said, "I've never done anything like this before, but I knew I had to get involved at a higher level." It. We can't just shop at farmer's markets. We have to change things at every level.
1: And it's people like Shauna who are doing and not just talking. And, you know, she... She practices what she preaches. I bring everyone to her restaurant. I mean, I I do live 10 blocks away from it. But, you know, she's all about breaking down every part of that animal in the back of that kitchen. It's easy to
3: do when the food's so good. Yeah. And then we also had people like um, our retired district attorney of Manhattan, Robert Morgenthau. So you had, you know, Shauna, who's a chef and young and had never done that before. And then we had somebody who's been in public service for 40 years. And he came along. I mean, he's in his 90s. (laughs) And he realizes that he wants farmland available for future generations, like his son Josh Morgenthau at Fishkill Farms. So it was just an incredibly diverse group of people. So not only is it a lot of fun, though, I mean, but we're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And it's incredibly important to save farmland, which is just part of our natural infrastructure.
2: You know, one of the things I want to point out, too, is that we met with—we we pulled together people into to teams that then met with state legislators. So that we actually met with 100 different state representatives. So representatives from all the five boroughs and from all across upstate New York. And so this is actually a chance to— you know not just sit and listen but actually to make your voice heard and get it make it heard to the people that are making decisions about how we spend our public dollars and to make sure that they're spent in a way that are going to support local farmers and support local food
1: now when you guys go up and you bring this bus to the people I mean have you already put um, together some kind of plans of what you would like to do if this money really is going to come to you I mean what is in what is in store for for us if we do get a chance to to you know get that money rolling
2: well, I've got to tell you, we've got a lot of things in store. You know, in terms of you know helping our protect our farms so that we don't lose them to to bad development. You know, we, part of the problem of the last couple of years in bad state budgets is that there have been seventy million dollars protect per, <laughs> given to sixty one farms, been promised to those farm families to help them protect their land. Guess what?
1: Where's the money?
2: Where's the money? That's what they're all saying. Show
1: me the money. I know. It's sad.
2: It is sad. Actually, it's three governors ago that some of those promises were made. And yet, some of these families are still waiting.
1: I've read some... Sad stories about this. I mean, they put up everything in hopes that they were going to be able to change their lives around. Nothing yet.
2: And this isn't just about, you know, this isn't a lost cause. Many of these farm families see opportunity. They see restaurants that want to buy the grass-fed beef that they're producing.
1: how can they get it there?
2: And, And you know what? They're just looking to be able to tap into some of this money so they can protect their land. Maybe help that the parents that are the older generation... That yeah. want to transfer the farm to their kids, this provides them with the resources to help make that possible. Yeah. And so guess what? if we get the money?, yeah. I've got 61 farm families that have already been promised those dollars, so we know that's going to go to good use to help save farms in places like the Hudson Valley. Cool. Similarly, you know there's other pro- programs for helping farmers protect water quality, things like you talked about that we need to keep our water clean. You know, farmers have those things already dialed in. Programs that help invest in farmers markets. You know There are incredible economic development opportunities. You know Everybody wants to talk about shovel ready. You know, we have those opportunities at hand here in New York. We just need the dollars to come behind them.
1: And what about Slaughterhouse? I mean, you know, honestly, we've been talking about this so much. I mean, we've drilled you guys on this and even it was funny to hear, I re-listened to a few of the interviews we've had with you. I happened to say something to you last February and then I was listening Listening to Patrick Martins on the uh, main course, pretty much say the exact same thing to you. Like <laughs> last July, where are the slaughterhouses? Where are the new, you know, trucking, you know, companies? What's going on? Is that in the is that in the works at all? I think there's a lot
3: of opportunity for livestock producers in New York. And it's interesting because as we grow that area of agriculture, the demand on slaughterhouses only increases. So I have been in slaughterhouse meetings for at least 10 years now. Wow. And um, I think it's almost a problem that we will not solve in some ways because we are increasing production constantly. And uh, slaughterhouses might always be a little bit behind. But there's great opportunities and there's great new businesses for um, for agriculture in New York State, everything from winter sun farms and um, farm-to-table co-packers in the Hudson Valley, that's a perfect example of how economic development dollars are helping agriculture, and our f- friends at Hudson Valley Agribusiness Development Corporation helped us start and fund um, many projects in the Hudson Valley like that.
2: Yeah, the Farm to Table Copac is a great new example. I mean, this is an example where they got $300,000 in economic development funds. I mean, $300,000 in the grander scheme of things is a drop and a drop of yeah. the bucket. But what they, this, they've this they been able to do is they've taken a commercial kitchen. They've been able to upgrade facilities there now. So if you're a farmer, you've got a raw product, you grow cucumbers, you want to turn them into pickles. Now mm-hmm. they have the facility to be able to scale that up so that you can do that at a commercial scale. Mm-hmm. They've got incredible business there called Winter Sun Farms okay. where they buy from 20 to 30 local farms during the peak season you know Mm -hmm. the middle of the summer when all that produce is amazing okay they bring it there they wash it they slice it they dice it and they flash freeze it and then guess what come the winter time it's a winter csa and so you get blueberries that are amazing you get sweet corn that your kids actually want to eat
1: totally and it's funny i mean a lot of people They shy away, I think, from frozen foods because they don't really understand why or, you know, because frozen foods, I mean, you know, it's a product of kind of maybe that industrial revolution time, you know, this or that or the other thing. And they're not used to seeing, you know, the super heady, like amazingly raised, you know, produce packaged like that. But from where I came from, working with Heritage Foods USA, I had to kind of teach people that, no, flash freezing this pork chop of this heritage breed pig is what you want so that you can, you know, always have good food to eat. And that's kind of what I, I, it seems like you guys are doing, too. And we have to make people understand that it's OK to flash freeze it, put it in your freezer and then have something good all year round. It's just not. But people kind of are used to.
3: It also makes a difference to that farmer because, you know, there are limits to what a farmer can sell fresh and in season. And if you open up a whole new avenue of marketing and sales where you say, not only will we take 10 acres of strawberries, now we'll take 20 because we can freeze that 10. That farmer, that makes the difference between a farmer surviving and, and not surviving And every farmer that is economically successful Mm -hmm. is much less likely to sell that land to a developer.
1: Yeah, so exactly. Promising them a whole new season's worth of sales is one of those things that will kind of give them a little more promise for the future. And it's a great idea.
2: Absolutely. And I think one of the exciting things that we see is you've now got economic development entities like the Hudson Valley Agribusiness Development Corporation. These are people that understand economic development but they understand farming and Mm -hmm. food issues. You now see Governor Cuomo talking about Agriculture, the, actual, the idea of farms and food as a mainstream economic development Finally. priority. Yes. So there's hope on the horizon. So the, the processing distribution problem has not been solved, but it hasn't been a lost cause either, that good things are happening on that front.
1: And I, I tend to bring this up, um, I've probably said it a few times, only because it's something that's kind of resonated with me so much. But when I went in and I got to hear Carla Petrini speak at the um, George Organics Conference a couple of years ago now, one thing that he said to me that really stuck with me was you are not going to be going to school to learn how to eat computers. You know, our kids in college, you know, are not, they're all going to school for finance degrees or this or that. They're not going to school to learn how to be farmers, but we're not going to be eating computers. We going gonna—we need to be able to respect our farmers or at least get a new generation of farmers. So I kind of always have to kind of keep bringing that to the table and like make people understand that like really like There needs to be that respect for what people are doing on the land, and this next generation needs to be able to have access to it, which is why we appreciate so much that $175 million that you guys, you know, are dedicating to preserving land and making it accessible to people.
2: And, you know, for a new generation, that land access issue is one of the big barriers. And part of it's about permanently protecting land. Part of it's just trying to figure out ways of getting farmers started on the land and creating arrangements with the people that own it today. And that's a complicated question. But, you know, according to the United States Department of Agriculture... That land access issue is one of the top three barriers to getting a new generation started. The the million farmers that we would like to get started in America, that that land access issue is one of the top three problems we got to solve. So these things we're talking about today are front and center to a new generation.
1: And um, that's kind of what keeps me excited and coming here every week to bring in, you know, people like-minded individuals like ourselves and just, you know, spreading the gospel, if you will. Um, so I kind of just wanted to, you know, remind people that if you go to www.farmland.org, you can read all about what the American Farmland Trust does. You can, you know, reach out to them. You can get involved with all of their projects. Sign up for their press releases, and really just, you know kind of keep your finger on the pulse as to what's going on and, you know, where we are going because we are moving in a good direction here and, you know, we've got some great people behind us that really, you know, have a strong passion and the the, the kind of, you know, we're kind of there. We're kind of able to do it. So thank you for everything you guys do and for coming in and teaching people about where we're going next with things.
2: Thank you. It's been great to be here. I love the conversation. It's always inspiring. We always walk away with some new things in our head, and I can't wait to come back.
1: And I'm so excited to finally meet you guys in person. March 30th, um, everyone here locally in New York City and Brooklyn, find out a way to get on that bus and get up to Albany. These are the issues that you care about. So no farms, no food rally. Albany, March 30th. Get there. Be there or be square. (laughs) But anyway, we will... um, have you all here back with us on the Heritage Radio Network's Farm Report next Thursday live at 1 o'clock with Derek Denkla of Farm City. We're looking forward to that conversation. Um, Peace out for now. Erin, we missed you this week. Bye.